we are continuing our uh, series called Close Encounters. And this is our series uh, going through some unique uh, situations or uh, experiences of people with Jesus. And now we uh, come to that uh, section in the Gospel of John uh, when Jesus uh, attended a wedding. Uh, but let me just give uh, a quick uh, disclaimer. I did not select this passage just because it's Valentine's. Okay? <laughs> Nung ginagawa ko yung uh, preaching calendar, I did not even uh, realize that uh, this passage will fall on February uh, 14. So uh, I am not, uh, this is not a cheesy move uh, on, on my end to parang to connect the, the situation, the cultural uh, norm uh, with, with the passage. But I'm hoping that we will uh, address that uh, as well. Uh, speaking of uh, weddings, I think uh, that's a highlight for many people. Uh, many uh, married couples will tell you about their own wedding day uh, story, uh, how it could be like a, a fairy tale story or, <laughs> or a disaster. Uh, but uh, all, all uh, married couples, uh, every bride and groom will tell you uh, that they uh, experienced, they encountered a problem uh, in the days surrounding the wedding before, during, and sometimes after. A and they will tell you how the problem was solved, right? And then after, it becomes a, a good story to tell over and over. Uh, I had the privilege of being part of uh, you know, many weddings in different capacities, as a as officiating minister, as a musician singer, as a, an usher, as a guest. Uh, wala pang kumukuha sa akin na ninong. So, <laughs> so I'm hoping that will not be happening anytime soon. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I look forward to, uh, you know, to attending weddings. I look forward even more uh, dun sa celebration after the ceremony. And, and that's you know that's uh, that's the common uh, narrative that you will hear from uh, many weddings. Uh, and our text today follows the same pattern. There's a problem, uh, the solution was presented, uh, and there was uh, a, a reaction from those who uh, are, were, were present. Um, but more than just a typical wedding story, uh, the the writer of this gospel, John is really focusing on this story. Keep in mind, uh, John mentioned towards the end of this book, of this gospel, that uh, there are still many miracles that he did not write, um, in, that not included in, the, in, in this uh, gospel, uh, and it will not fit uh, the entire books uh, in, in this world. So he carefully selected to, to tell this narrative in the wedding. And the key to understanding the story is really verse 11 when, uh, when it says, uh, this, what happened here is first of his signs, okay? So this is not just a wedding story. This is not just an unusual miracle. This is a sign for something uh, that's even deeper or greater, right? So, when you say a sign, uh, a sign 
points to a reality. So for example, if you see a sign that says, you know, Skyway 10 kilometers, would you say that the, the sign, the signage is Skyway? It's not, right? The, the signage points to the real thing. When you see a street sign that says EDSA, the, the street sign is not EDSA. It's pointing to the reality of where EDSA is. So that's, that's basically what we're looking at. This whole narrative is a sign pointing to a, a greater reality. And it's not just a sign. It is a first sign. So in meaning it's an inauguration. So interestingly, the first sign, the first public ministry, uh, the inauguration, he chose to do in a wedding. And, and I will explain uh, what, what that implies. And what I hope is that as we go through this story, I will be able to bring out and we will learn the real issue behind the, the, the story, the, the issue behind the issue, right? So, you know, just to, to give you an idea, so we will structure uh, the story the same way. We will look at the problem, we will look at the solution, and we will look at the response. But we will see the real problem, the solution behind the real problem, and what's underneath the response of the people involved, all right? So let's go through them one by one. What's the problem here in, in the passage that was read to us? Well, it's pretty straightforward. In this wedding, there is no more wine. There is no more wine. You know, any bride and groom will tell you uh, that part of the stress in preparing for the wedding is to make sure uh, that the, the food is enough. The food and drinks uh, are enough for all the guests. Kaya important, uh, you know, in, in, in a wedding, uh, yung head count, uh, yung mga caterer, they they give a, a little buffer because what happens is in, in a wedding, kapag sinabi mong 80, darating 100. Ganon. So, uh, laging merong kailangan ng buffer. So, it, it gives a, a lot of stress to, to some brides and groom. And this matter is even more serious in uh, the Jewish culture. You know, having no more wine for the guests, which in this case may include the whole town of Cana. Uh, they probably know uh, one another. Uh, it can bring a lot of embarrassment. It can bring a lot of dishonor to the family. And that's a very, very big deal. You don't want to make that happen, especially in a time of wedding. But underneath the issue of logistics, underneath the implication of embarrassment, the, the culture of uh, honor and shame, the real issue here is what the writer is telling us. You know, wines are not just about, you know, they are not just party drinks. In the Jewish culture, it is a symbol of fruitfulness. It is a symbol, a sign of prosperity. It is a, a, a symbol of joy and celebration. Uh, one passage uh, in, in Psalm chapter 4, verse 6 to 7, it says this, There are many who say, who will show us some good? Light up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. 
verse 7, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. There is always an association between wine and prosperity and joy. Sa mga celebrations natin today, meron ding ganon. Uh, there is an association that you have to bring, you know, choice wines and choice drinks into your celebration. So the more wine means extended fruitfulness. The more wine means extended joy. It means extended celebration. That's why uh, it is a Jewish custom to have long wedding celebrations. It can last up to seven days, one week. Uh, would you be interested in attending a week-long uh, wedding celebration? I'm curious how that looks like. So it's important to have enough supply to uh, not just for the wedding, but to make it uh, a lasting and a joyful uh, celebration. You know, what that means for us today, the, the real issue uh, here is that our desire is to prolong the joy that we experience as much as we can. We want to prolong the, the, the sense of uh, jubilation, the sense of happiness, the sense of uh, everything is right in the world. As much as we can, we, we want to prolong that. Uh, so, you know, for those who are, you know, having challenges with their, with their work, uh, long weekends like this is, is really a gift from God. You, you look forward to the long weekends because that means uh, extended yung iyong celebration. But at the end of that long weekend, we feel bad again. We try our best to extend our means of happiness, all of us. But in that case, we also need to make sure that we have enough supply to fuel our extended happiness. Just like this wedding, we want to make sure that we have enough wine to fuel the, the celebration that we are experiencing. You know, for some, for us today, that means, you know, fuel can be really an actual literal wine that leads to alcohol dependence. For some, that fuel is that desire to be at the optimum physical fitness that leads to vanity. For others, it's, uh, it's going after the latest uh, gadgets, the latest devices that leads to materialism. And some, it's really the desire to, to have that uh, seven-digit bank account. And then there are others who, who pursue that overly romanticized concept of the one so that when you get the one, that will bring you a lifetime supply of happiness, a lifetime supply of enjoyment. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that these are evil things, physical fit fitness, uh, you know, prosperity in your finances, uh, good relationship, uh, enjoying uh, celebrations with, with wine and, and drinks. Uh, I, I'm not saying those are inherently evil. I'm saying that these good things have a limit when they become 
our source, our fuel for extended joy. Because at some point, someone will say to you, at some point, you will even say to yourself, there is no more wine. There is no more source for my joy. There is no more fuel to, to extend my happiness. So what will you do when there is no more wine to fuel your joy? What will you do? But as we dwell deep into this issue and problem, providentially, the solution to the problem in our story that will address uh, not just the logistics and the cultural implications, but address the real issue is present at the wedding. Jesus was invited at this wedding. So here's the solution to, to the problem of having no more wine. Jesus was there and Jesus did something miraculous in this wedding. But I want you to pay attention on how the problem was addressed. Look at verse 6, 7, and 8. And John describes to us a very uh, detailed that there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rite of uh, ceremonial washing or, or purification, uh, each holding 20 to 30 gallons, so about 120 to 180 lit liters. So possibly that's you know, a lot of wine. <laughs> and Jesus said to the servants, verse 7, punuin niyo yung jars with water, right? Just water. Punuin niyo until the, to the brim. So pinakataas. And he said to them, now, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. Here are you know, a few interesting uh, things here. Why would Jesus command and, and give instructions to use a stone water jar that's really meant for purification and not really for wine? Why not just use the, the empty uh, wine jars. Diba? Naubos na nga yung wine, merong wine jars. Bakit hindi na lang yun yung punuin ng, ng tubig and, and, and use that as well? What else? An ano pa yung interesting here? Not just the material, but the manner that, uh, that this miracle will happen. He, he is just giving instructions. There is no struggle. There is no shouting. There is no uh, nothing really, you know, uh, sophisticated. He's just giving instructions. Punoin nyo to ng tubig, punoin nyo until the, to the brim, and then get some, uh, some of the water. And also, you know, we understand and we know that for us to get wine, it requires a lot of process from the vine to the grapes to the... Uh, you know, to the process of making the grapes wine, and it should take time uh, for you to have wine, even longer time to have good wine. But this happened instantaneously. It happened uh, just like that. It, you know, what's, what this implies is the, the, the creator of you, the universe is creating something out of nothing. How amazing is that? But, you know, more than that, we need to understand why uh, this is happening in the sense of uh, using 
uh, stone water jars for ceremonial washing. Ano ibig sabihin nun? You know, just to uh, give a little context again, the Jewish culture dictates that they have to wash everything. They have to wash their hands, their feet, their body when they enter the temple. They have to wash their uh, their uh, their equipment, their um, their their plates, and everything. So uh, it's it's uh, you need to wash yourself clean and wash your uh, tools clean to present yourself at the temple to be presented and be considered clean. So what Jesus is doing here is replacing what is meant for the people to be considered clean and replacing it with his supply of wine. So what he is saying, what he is doing here is that, you know, he is saying what will make you clean is not the water that you pour over your body and all your stuff. What will make you clean is the wine that I provide. But more than that, I am not just making you clean. I am making you joyful. I am extending your joy by providing the wine that you need. The key to the solution of the real issue here is the unusual, unprecedented, and gracious intervention of Jesus in this wedding. You see, Jesus really is not obliged to do anything in this wedding. Keep that in mind. He is not obliged to intervene. He is a guest. So technically, it was not his problem to solve. You don't go to a, a random guest in a wedding to ask help unless, unless you, you know that your only hope is that guest. And that's what Mary, the mother of Jesus, knew. That Jesus is the hope of that wedding. Jesus is the one who can cover the shame of that wedding celebration. So for Jesus to, to intervene implies that marriages and celebrations are really not irrelevant uh, to his ministry. We cannot ignore it. Uh, let me put it in a positive light. That means marriages are important to the Lord. Marriages are a big deal to the Lord. It has always been. It's a big deal. But more than aside from the marriages, celebrations are important to the Lord. We were created for it. We were created for, for joy. So, Brothers and sisters, what that means for us is that Christian communities ought to be a place. Cornerstone Makati, this small community as of the moment, ought to be a place where married couples take their vows seriously. That married couples will put value on their marriages. And for single people here, what that means is that we, we pursue marriages with utmost care. We don't take it lightly. But there's a joy, there's eagerness to pursue it because you know, it's, it's a, an opportunity to experience the, the grace of the Lord. 
So yes, Christian communities uh, and Cornerstone Makati ought to, ought to be a place like that. Also, Cornerstone Makati and, and many Christian communities ought to be a place of enjoyment and celebration. Christians cannot be equally associated with simply dead faith or joyless life. We cannot be associated as people who are too serious with life or to be killjoy. So let's, you know, let's uh, experience joy and celebration uh, because uh, uh, true Christians are those who can uh, have the freedom to enjoy life to the fullest because the, the true and lasting joy giver is, is within us. But here's a, a final reminder with that. Uh, God glorifying marriage, whether you have it now or you're trying to pursue it, enjoyment and celebration for us to experience it to the fullest still requires the gracious intervention of Jesus Christ. It still requires his grace through and through from start to finish, from beginning to end. So I want us to reflect about this matter. When, when your joy is, is depleting, what is your solution? What is the Lord doing in your life? Maybe it will help to see how Mary and the servants uh, responded to the situation and become part of the solution. As before we go to the response, look at the, uh, the action of Mary and the servants. Mary went to Jesus. Mary brought the situation to Jesus. And that should be a model of prayer for all of us, that we bring our petitions, our concerns to the Lord. You know, Mary did not uh, implore Jesus to do specifically whatever in fact, there is a, an, an interesting happening here when Jesus calls his mother woman and he mentions uh, a, a little, you, you might find it confusing when, when Jesus said, my hour has not yet come. What, what is he talking about? And I will answer that later on. So Mary brought the matter to Jesus and, he, and she uh, informed the servants to do whatever Jesus tells them. And also the servants here completely followed the instructions of Jesus at the risk of their own reputation. Would you bring uh, uh, water that came from the, uh, the jar for purification and bring it to the, the MC, the host of the party? What if the water did not turn into wine? What if the head of the party uh, knew where it came from and there's, there's no wine, it's just water? At the risk of uh, their own embarrassment, their own reputation, and their own job, they followed uh, Jesus. So uh, as Mary models prayer here and as the servants a model to us obedience. They are visible 
fruits of an act of faith. They are visible acts of faith. And th that's something that we can follow. But more than uh, their prayer, more than their obedience, the key here is the gracious intervention of Jesus Christ. And because of that, we see unique responses. And I will highlight uh, two responses in this party. So first, the response of the head servant. Ano yung response nung, uh, nung uh, master of the ceremonies, the, the, the man who is in charge of the party? You know, his response uh, for me is very telling. It was actually a moment of a moment of honesty, maybe because of the wine. Here's what he said. When he tasted the wine, he had this moment of clarity and honesty, which actually you will not mention publicly in, in, a, in a wedding. He says, you know, everyone serves the good wine first. And when our people are drunk, <laughs> We will serve the poor wine afterwards, but you have kept the good wine until now. It was on one hand, a compliment to the groom and his family because he did not know where the wine came from. It was a compliment, but at the same time, it was an admission of a sad reality that they have accepted. It was an admission that in that culture, it has become an accepted norm to settle for cheap wine when it didn't matter anymore. What a moment of honesty and clarity that he is saying, you know, we have accepted in our lives and in our celebration that we will receive cheap wine later on. You know, that sad reality is real for even us today. Our expectations with marriages, our expectations with career. You know, earlier I asked, what do you do when there is no more wine to fuel your joy? And in reality, our answer is that we look for cheaper alternatives. That has been the mode of humanity ever since the fall. We have filled our lives with cheap sources of joy that only leaves us with bad memories, that leaves us with a bad hangover. But that's not what this wedding experience instead of settling for less, they experience that things are much better because there is someone in that wedding who decided to graciously intervene. So what's happening here is Jesus did not just uh, prolong the wedding, the celebration, by adding supply. He's not just adding supply uh, at the celebration. Yes, that's true, but it's, there's more to it. What he's doing, he, he, is, he is radically changing the norm that everybody seemed to have accepted in their lives. When everybody accepted the norm 
that they will have cheaper wine later on, Jesus is saying, that's not, what, that's not right. I'm going to change that. So when the master of the feast uh, said that, he is saying, nobody is doing this. Nobody does this. This is completely different from what I experience. And that, my friends, it's what it looks like when we closely encounter Jesus. Nobody does this. Nobody loves a sinner deserving penalty. Nobody forgives, initiates the forgiveness when he is the offended party. Nobody does this but Jesus. You know, when we desire, when we have the tendency to look for cheaper alternatives of joy in our lives, we are doing what uh, our sinful nature has called us to do. But that's why Jesus has come. And so we must resist the temptation to settle for cheap alternatives for joy when the true source of joy is accessible to us by grace. Here's uh, another response uh, from, uh, from the guests, specifically the disciples. Look at verse 11. His disciples believed in him. Wait, what? Don't you find that interesting? If they are already his followers, why are they believing in him just now? The key here again is verse 11. This, the first of his sign, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory. So this encounter, itong encounter na ito, revealed something to them about Jesus that was concealed from them before. Yes, they uh, followed Jesus because they learned something about him when they encountered him the first time. But there is something that happened here that revealed, manifested his glory. Here's, here's what I think this means, okay? Here's what I think. I think his disciples experienced something new about Jesus that they will only experience not in the shore, not in the marketplace, only when they experience it with Jesus in a wedding, when they saw Jesus singing and dancing at the party, when they saw Jesus having fun with children, with friends and family, when they learned that Jesus just turned water into wine to keep the party going, they realized something new. That this Jesus they followed is not just the Messiah that will free them from Roman oppression, this Jesus is the Messiah who has come to bring them joy. And that's we, what we also need to understand. They believe that this Messiah 
is the true joy giver. And for his followers to drink from that glass of lasting joy, Jesus must drink his own cup of suffering. That's what was in his mind all throughout this experience. All throughout this wedding, yes, he is celebrating, but in his mind, for me to make this celebration, for me to cover the shame of the celebration, for me to make the joy last, I will have to drink my own cup of suffering. So when he said in this text, my hour has not yet come, really, he was referring to the hour of his death. So he, he had that in his mind all along. So as Jesus was seated at the table, looking at the people, now enjoying probably the greatest the greatest wine ever as they were enjoying that wine as they as the party is extended jesus was anticipating his own death and at this point he has taken the first public step towards that journey towards his suffering my friends, for us to experience lasting joy, Christ must suffer. And as we receive that truth that Christ has suffered on our behalf, we also anticipate. We look back on his suffering, but we anticipate the joy that has set before us, the joy that is prepared for us, the ultimate feast, the ultimate wedding, the ultimate celebration. But you might say, Pastor, uh, for me to believe, uh, I, I hope that just like these disciples, that I will experience uh, uh, an outrageous miracle for me to believe in him. You know, my friend, you already experience. And Jesus already demonstrated a miracle in your life because he has brought you from death to life. He has satisfied the judgment that was meant for us. He has made you a new creation. He is preparing you for the ultimate celebration, the ultimate joy, the ultimate wedding feast. So as we believe in this miracle called the gospel, your joy will be true and lasting and complete. Let's pray. Uh, Father in heaven, gracious God, creator of all things, the giver of life, the, the, the true vine is, is, is before us, is, is within us, is with us, uh, for us to live a fruitful life so that our joy will be complete. We, we come before you as empty vessels running out of fuel to make our joy last. But that's a good news that we have experienced, that as we are empty of these cheap alternatives, you have filled us with your wine, with your lasting joy. And we, we know that we experience that because Christ has suffered uh, on our behalf so that we will have lasting joy. 
Uh, I pray, Lord, that that will be our hope and that will be uh, our encouragement as we are looking forward to that final wedding of the Lamb and His Bride for the final wedding feast where all the sad things will come untrue. When, when celebration is true and pure and, and, and lasting, uh, we, we long for that because we live in a deeply marred and broken world as we have uh, heard the news about uh, the, the ending of uh, the issue with Rabbi Zacharias. We, we are shocked, we are grieved, we are, uh, some of us are uh, unsure how to, to, uh, to react and some of us are even um, hindi, hindi, na, hindi kami aware uh, of what's happening. But uh, in all of these things, Lord God, we, we come to you for grace. Lord, we are a young, small church. We are just trying, trying things out. We, are, uh, we have a lot of things to, to work on. But right now, Lord God, allow us to, uh, to, to be uh, real and be transparent and be accountable to one another. Lord, uh, would your light uh, shine upon all of us so that you will expose the dark spaces of our hearts. And this exposure, Lord, really is a grace from you because we don't want to live in the dark. Would you grant grace for those who have experienced sexual trauma from people who they considered a people of authority? Would you grant grace to, to those who have, uh, have been bothered by this Re, uh, recent issues, whether they are uh, people who look up to Rabbi and in the ministry, Lord God, I, I know that your message remains powerful and effective and intact because your message uh, is 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 not exclusive to the messengers. It's 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 from you and it's it's for your glory and it's for our good. And so we we pray. That as we are weaving through these uh, difficult uh, matters, we want to have uh, an attitude of humility. When our unbelieving friends uh, talk to this about us, we that we can confess and we we can be honest about our own limitations, and that's why we need Christ uh, in our lives. Uh, help me as a pastor of the church be transparent and accountable. Help us, Lord God, to uh, be pursuing holiness collectively. And I pray, Lord, that uh, we will be a, a church, a community that comes to you, that repents uh, of our sin, and that uh, desires for the right things to happen uh, in our lives, in our church, and in our community. We ask, Lord God, that you will bless uh, our, our families as we go through the coming week. Uh, with these challenges in mind, our hope is, is found in, in, our, in our cornerstone, Jesus Christ. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. <laughs>